You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, welcome into a Monday edition of Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every Heat game, news item, rumor, and more. Thanks for listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on the brand new podcast app, Himalaya. My name is Wes Goldberg, and I'm here with David Ramil. We got a bunch of news to get to, league-wide stuff. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit the Anthony Davis trade hard for the first couple of segments, and and there's some ways that it relates to the Heat, and we'll talk about that. And then we'll get into our uh, NBA Finals takeaways because David, we haven't talked since the end of the finals, um, so we'll we'll get to some of our takeaways from that. But I wanted to start with Mark Stein's tweet, and if you're listening to this, we're a Miami Heat podcast. We're listening. You've probably seen this on your Twitter feed, and you've probably got a lot of opinion opinions on this because Mark Stein after the Anthony Davis trade went down this weekend, had the audacity to tweet the following. LeBron James missed the playoffs for the first time in 14 years. That much is true. Two days after the season ends, LeBron finds out he will be partnered with or by the best teammate he's ever had and really the ideal sidekick. Hashtag this league. How about hashtag this tweet sucks? There is no way that that's true. I think he's forgetting about a guy named Dwayne Wade. I think every Heat fan listening to this was enraged when he tweeted that because he's wrong. He's wrong. Is Anthony Davis awesome? Yes. But Dwayne Wade is by far the best teammate LeBron ever had. He was arguably, they were arguably the two best players in the league when they joined forces. And I think, and in that first year that they were together, I think you can make a pretty legitimate argument that Dwayne Wade was better than LeBron the first year that they were together in Miami. He was certainly better than LeBron in the NBA Finals. And if it wasn't for Dwayne Wade, LeBron James never wins the first championship, probably never wins a second championship in Miami. And then, and, and like Dwayne Wade was the guy who taught him how to win. It goes more than just the rebounding and the points per game stuff. Dwayne Wade is easily the best teammate LeBron James ever had. Can we just push the pump the brakes on this until they at least take the court together, LeBron and Anthony Davis? I mean, this is insane. I don't think it's insane. I don't think it's insane. I actually, I think, Stein actually makes a pretty good point. And I'll be honest with you, I know from the, the Heat fan perspective and most of our listener base, obviously, there's probably some level of disagreement there, if not outright rage, as you pointed out. But I think Stein is kind of hinting at, and maybe you disagree here, it's hard to measure quality of play. You know, obviously, Dwayne Wade's a great player. Obviously, Dwayne Wade was a really good player when they first teamed up in 2010. But I think Anthony Davis is a better more complimentary player to LeBron, particularly at this point in their career. His ability to protect a rim, his ability to stretch the floor, his ability to drive to the rim at his age. I think that's those are huge factors here. You can make a case that Chris Bosh might have been LeBron's best teammate beforehand. Again, not because of level of play, but because of complementary ability there, because he spaces the floor and he allowed LeBron to do what he does best. Like I, you can obviously wipe away anything that Le, anybody that LeBron teamed up with before he joined Miami in 2010. Hmm. Once he left to Cleveland in 2014, who was his next best teammate there? Kyrie. Kyrie, I would say Kyrie. Yeah. I don't think any. An and look, or you, Kevin Love, right? You could say Kevin Love. I think Kyrie was better at his peak than Kevin Love was, and and that, that would be my argument for Dwayne Wade over Chris Bosh. I think Chris Bosh was the second best player on the Heat in the 2013-2014 seasons. Um, but was Super never wrong. at that level that Dwayne Wade was that first year. And, look, I get the ideal sidekick thing. That that last bit on that Mark Stein tweet, 
kind of saves it. However, I do think that we kind of in this in, in this age of okay, how do you build a super team the right way? We look at these things like we look at so much of the X's and O's and the spacing and all this stuff and the positional things and blah blah blah. But look, and, and, and we basically <laughs> attacked Philadelphia. That's, that's analysis for you. Blah blah blah. blah, blah. blah. We look. We attack Philadelphia the entire season. Oh, their spacing's not right. How do you work Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid? Maybe they should trade Ben Simmons. All this stuff. At the end of the day, they had more talent than anybody in the Eastern Conference. They took Toronto to seven games. You could argue that they were the second best team in the league by the time the playoffs were over. Like that team still worked. That their and their starting five had an in, insane net rating. They were outscoring opponents every single time they took the floor together. And so at the end of the day, I think that Dwayne Wade was far more, at that point, a better player than Anthony Davis even is right now. And you could say Anthony Davis is in his prime. And, you and you know, you could say he's a top five player. I think he is when he's healthy. He he's is. absolutely a top five player. Dwayne Wade might have been the best player in the league. And LeBron and Wade were both in their primes. And he might have been the best player in the league. And he was certainly the second best player in the league. And I don't think you can even argue anything other than that. So... Well, Tony was just coming that, off his championship. I mean, look, I, I, look, I don't want to turn this into. Year, they were, yeah. there was, they were heading over, they were head over heels. The two best players in the league. There's nobody even in the conversation. Kobe was. He he had just finished the back to back in 2009, 2010. They had just won two straight rings. I mean, Kobe. obviously, good t- team with Lamar Odom, Paul Gasol, Andrew Bynum, etc. But I mean, I think I think Kobe was still in the conversation. I think even Prime Mello was in the conversation. You could also you could score. probably put Dwight Howard in there too. Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, look, these but arguments are difficult. Wade I think better than all of them. Okay. The point is, I don't think you can just smash quote-unquote talent together. Like, it just doesn't work in this system anymore. Like, that's just not realistic. I think even at the Olympic play, if we've learned anything since the 1992 Dream Team, it's that you can't just get 12 really good players together and hope that they're going to come okay, out with gold. F- fair. Absolutely fair. But it did work for the Heat. They went to four straight it, finals. They won two of them. Okay, but it didn't work in 2011 against the Dallas Mavericks. It worked in really? 2012 against the Thunder, okay. and I would still say yes. Dwayne Wade in 2012 was better than Anthony Davis is right now. That's arguable. It's, it's a little bit more arguable, but I would say that that's the case. I think, moreover, I, though, Stein needs to pump the brakes because we haven't even seen how well they'll mesh. Exactly. Like, I, we you. think yes. that they're going to be really good yes. players complement that complement each other, but we haven't seen how that works. There's always going to be growing pains, especially from a player like Davis, who, let's be honest, hasn't really had to play for a whole hell of a lot. Like, he hasn't accomplished much uh, in his own individual career. I mean, he's represented the country in the final and the, in the Olympic play, I think. Um, he's been yeah. to the playoffs twice, but other than that, once, it's right? was it once twice? or twice? I think he's been. I think he's been to the playoffs twice. Okay, see, can't even remember. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, un, not memorable. I mean, yeah. aside from uh, you know the, the sweep of the Portland Trailblazers a couple can, of seasons ago. Can uh, let me just we'll, we'll wrap it up with this. Who was better at the time of LeBron signing with them or, or joining forces with them, Anthony Davis right now or Dwayne Wade? In 2010, that summer, when LeBron made his decision to go to Miami, who was the better basketball player? Individually, Dwayne Wade. Thank you. As a complimentary teammate, I still give the edge to Davis. They're going to be really good. Assuming that they work out really well. They're going to be really good together. I'm actually really excited to watch them together. I don't think Anthony Davis... I don't know if they'll win a championship. I don't know. But if they don't win a championship, you can put it... At the end of LeBron's career, when he retires after he's 48 years old, and... (laughs) When we go back and you write the book on LeBron and you ask who was the best teammate he ever had, 
if Anthony Davis and LeBron do not win a championship together, there is no argument. It has to be Dwayne Wade. It oh, has to be. But you see, but does it? I mean, that's the whole thing, though. Like, this is, it seems like a faulty argument to me. Like, now now we're starting to get into that point where championships yeah, you're exceeds everything else. You're anti-championship. And, no, I'm not anti-championship. You are. You're anti-championship. I'm anti-championship as a barometer for measuring an individual player's greatness. When we get like, to the point with LeBron, though, man, like, that matters with LeBron. That's what he cares about. Yeah, well, that's what he says he cares about because he's been hardwired to think that way. I mean, every player's hardwired to think that the championship is what defines him. And he's he's stacking his legacy against all-time greats that are yeah. measured by those same level of championship play. But it's just, I think, like, LeBron is the best player in NBA history. And I think he's exceeded Jordan despite having less championships than Jordan. And I think that's fair. I mean, he's just, he's a better player. He's been more durable. He's had more of a consistent level of greatness. I, I mean... All those things, I mean, his his versatility as a playmaker, everything else that he's done completely, I think, overlaps what Jordan was able to accomplish. And I watched most of Jordan's career. Well, maybe not the earlier parts of his career, but I've watched a lot of Jordan play. And I can tell you, Jordan was fantastic. I'm an amazing individual player, but I, I still think LeBron's a better player. And I don't and like Wade. the championships defining... I'm sorry? And Dwayne Wade. What about Dwayne Wade? Better than Michael Jordan. Oh, wait, no, he's better than Kobe. That's my shtick. Never mind. That is true. I misrepresented my shtick. Um, let, let's talk about how good... I'm sorry, did I cut you off? Were you, are, you no, no, okay. no. I mean, just we're looking at how the, the Lakers team... I mean, I'm curious to see how they build the team around yeah. him. And I think that is going to be a significant factor. Right. I think you, you kind of gravitate more towards the... This was a good trade for Los Angeles end of the spectrum. I've seen a lot of people bemoan... How much yeah. they gave up in order to acquire Davis. I don't think I feel that way. I'm kind of in the middle, but I think I gravitate more towards it was a good deal because you acquired Anthony freaking Davis. Yeah. Well, that's a great segue. We'll, we'll talk about more of that from a broader sense, how this impacts the NBA and how it might even impact the Heat beyond just, you know, getting all of the Heat fans in a rage over Mark Stein's tweet. But let's take a quick break. Okay, so this was a big trade, David. You've got Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, the fourth pick in the draft. Oh, sorry, Josh Hart. The fourth pick in the draft, and then two future first-rounders heading to New Orleans in exchange for Anthony Davis. Pick swap, too, wasn't there? Oh, pick swaps in between the years where the picks, blah, blah, blah. Step in, rule, etc. Um, there's more great analysis, more blah, blah, blah. But uh, <laughs> Anthony Davis pairing up with LeBron, given what we know, about Kevin Durant. He's going to miss all of next year, basically. Clay Thompson very likely could be the same situation. So given all of that, I think it's pretty clear that it's Houston, it's Denver, maybe, mm. it's Los Angeles at the top of the Western Conference. I mean, does this make does this make the Lakers I look, I know they've got to, you know, figure out what the rest of this roster looks like. They don't have a single guard on the roster right now. Um, but beyond that, Man, you, Alex Caruso, you're going to diss him like is that? Is he under contract still? Do they have to resign no, I, him? I, I, think, I think he's... Uh, you better bring him back. Better bring him back. Uh, <laughs> like, this... They're a contender. or I think that's obvious. But are they... Would you say that they're at the top of the Western Conference at this point? Um, I, I think I'd put them below Houston, despite everything we've heard recently. And, I mean, there are stories coming out that we'll get to at some point regarding the, the chemistry issues of that roster. And, obviously, there's been... Uh, a lot of issues regarding D'Antoni and their new owner, et cetera. So, I mean, Houston is not exactly the most uh, well-put-together team at, at this at this juncture. I mean, they, they are struggling with everything off the court. Yeah, they're uh, not to mention, uh, Yeah, they're, it's as bad as the publicity has been around the Lakers. You could say the, the, the Rockets have had a worse offseason. Um, oh, I wanted to get to something. You mentioned there that 
you don't think that they overpaid the Lakers? I, I don't think so, no. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, I know that there have you. been no oh, well, I mean, there are people who think that they've given up a lot, that it's a swindle or anything like that. I mean, look, I, we we have yet to see the full capacity of you know of of players like Ball and Ingram and, and Hart's a fine complimentary player. I think it's a really, really, really good deal for for New Orleans. At the same time, you know, those picks tend to lose value because well, as we were talking about right now, the Lakers are probably going to go on deep playoff runs. Right. It's a similar. It's a system similar to what we've seen in Miami. Um, you know, where they kind of tend to devalue the draft. And and look, there are repercussions. You have to be able to rebuild that team. But I think LeBron's at that point where he doesn't really care. He wants to get the most out of the next four or five years, yeah. however long he has left to play. And then from that point, who cares? I mean, that's that's, that's right. up to Palenka right. or any, anybody else is there to rebuild you pay, that You pay it forward. Point. You pay it forward. The Heat paid it forward. They, were, they still owed draft picks to Cleveland after LeBron went back to Cleveland. Yeah. Because they they moved them in that sign and trade so that they were able to sign LeBron for an extra year, which never actually materialized. But whatever, like you pay for it, and you have to pay it forward. And it's just sort of like that's just how the, the I've seen so many people compare this to the the Brooklyn Nets Billy King situation. Yeah, not quite the same. It's not even close to the same thing. Kevin Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce were washed, and we all knew it. Well, washed is a little harsh, but older. And, and Older not, and not even near their prime, and on their right. way to being washed. They were going through the car wash. Maybe they weren't completely washed, but they were just, you know, they 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 were in park, and they were, you know, the the they were selecting were, yeah. whether or not they wanted to get that wax undercarriage, yes. you know, for an extra five dollars or <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Paul Pierce wanted the whatever it was, the wax on the undercarriage for sure, but except he had to go to the bathroom. For... <laughs> so, like Anthony Davis is smack dab in the middle of his prime. LeBron James is seemingly always in that prime. I don't like he's. Like, we've never seen a player like LeBron. The Brooklyn Nets got nobody at the level of LeBron. They got nobody at the level of Anthony Davis at the time. Like, it, it, maybe in the manner of speaking where you say, look, this is just a lot of stuff that they put together. Yeah, I guess. But at least the stuff is going to be worth it. And I think absolutely it's going to be worth it. Because all of a sudden now you have two top five players in the NBA between Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Because you could argue that maybe Anthony Davis wasn't in the top five. But playing next to LeBron, who is going to elevate him and make his life a lot easier... He's going to be top five next year, especially when you consider that Durant is probably not going to play next year. So that opens up a spot in the top five. And given that Durant isn't going to be healthy and might be going east anyway, given that the Warriors are probably going to take a redshirt year and everything and what you were just talking about with the Rockets being shaky, you have a real opportunity here and you are the only team in the league, I would say, with two top five players. The Lakers are. Regardless of what the rest of the roster looks like. And again, if if Rob Palenka goes out and just you know, signs four more Lance Stevensons, then yeah, they probably have an issue. But I, even him, I have a hard time believing that he's going to make the same mistake twice. Um, and so you build this roster around them. They might still get a third star to sign with them. Like, that's a great trade. It's a great trade. And if you win one championship, it's worth it. Even if you have to pay a lottery pick to the, to, to the New Orleans Pelicans in 2022, it was worth it because you got the championship, and that's what all this stuff is about. Even though you're anti-championship, that's what all this <laughs> stuff is about. Yeah, I mean, look, you could could if the Clippers add Kawhi Leonard, are they a stronger team than the Lakers? Kawhi Leonard, depending on who? what they build the rest of the yeah, roster. Right? Yeah, it'd be. We're we're hearing reports that they don't want to move Shea Gilgis Alexander, which I don't disagree with. You got to keep something, some young pieces to in, in there to to build long term, but. You know, if you get Kawhi and Kemba Walker 
plus that depth that they have, depending on who they bring back. But they'll definitely bring back, you know, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell. There's some other guys on that team. They're up there. They're up there. But even if you do that, it's it's Kawhi, arguably the best player in the league. And and then Funny who's the second best player? Changed. I don't think anybody believed that at the start of the season. Oh, my gosh. Isn't it amazing? And and I want to get to this on uh, Locked on NBA later this week. Uh, but it no, this is unprecedented, what is happening right now with Kawhi Leonard. It's unprecedented. You've never had a player blossom into... An already elite player blossom into the best player in the league, win a championship, and be a free agent, and actually be considering, and almost some would say likely, to leave the team that he just won the championship with. And when he leaves that team, not signing with a big market, right? I mean, he might he could stay in Toronto as a free agent, or he could go to the Clippers as a free agent. Like, what world are we living in? If you would have told me that the best player in the league was going to be a free agent and was going to sign with either Toronto or the Clippers... If you would have told me that five years ago, I would have said you're crazy. There's no way. But here we are. Um, I want to get to I the, like how the Miami move. Heat. I do like the move. I know we'll get to it at some point later yeah. this week, but I, I do like the decision process from him. Oh, um, I am fascinated by this offseason. It's going to be crazy. But let's talk about, uh, let's take a quick break here. We'll talk about how Miami can get involved in, in this whole situation. Thank you to our sponsors, Hotels.com. Thank you to Untuck It, and thank you to Crypt Six Belts. Remember to listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked on Heat on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And if you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Okay, so we kind of pushed this back because we got way in the weeds on the Anthony Davis and how good the Lakers are kind of situation. But there are reports now that the Pelicans could be looking to move the fourth pick for a established player. And we're, there's rumors that they are eyeing Bradley Beal from the Washington Wizards. But here's the situation with Washington. They don't have a general manager. They have an interim general manager. They don't have a permanent hire there yet. Whereas rumblings that they're going to offer uh, Masai Ujiri from the Raptors $10 million a year. I, it's a lot of money. I don't think he takes it. I think the Toronto figures out how to compensate him well enough to stay there. So they're not... I, I, I don't see a world in which ownership signs off on a Beal trade before they hire a GM. And... We're talking about this, you know, Monday afternoon. The draft is Thursday. Are they no. going to hire somebody between now and the draft? No. No way, because now you're adding another voice to the room who has probably done no scouting and no homework, you know, based on what the Washington Wizards might need. So I think they do the draft, they hire a GM afterwards. But, or they just hire the interim which GM. Is a it's a terrible way of doing things. Absolutely. They are a mess. And for that, I just don't see a world. And look, maybe because they're such a mess, they do it anyway. Who knows? I just don't see how the ownership signs off on trading Bradley Beal, who is a long-term piece at 25 years old, who is the best player on that team, and it's not close for anything. So given that, all right, I was kind of doing my thing on the trade machine, David, and I'm looking around the league. Who is worth the fourth pick, straight up, that is not only an established player, but young enough to fit in Zion's window? Because you're rebuilding around Zion Williamson. And it, whoever you bring in has to... It can't be a 32-year-old player. It can't be a 29-year-old player. Like, it has to be somebody young in or entering their prime. And I don't know who's available in the entire league. And so I wonder, if you're the Heat, and there have been, you know, Twitter, hypo, you know, you know, brain teasers, would you trade Josh Richardson in number 13 for four? And I would go out and say... Based on the leverage Miami might have, if you take Bradley Beal off the table because 
They don't know what they're doing. Josh Richardson for number four might be the best that they can do if they are gung-ho on moving the fourth pick. Now, ultimately, I think that the Pelicans would say no and just use the fourth pick. But if, if you're Miami, do you at least call? No number 13 attached. It's Richardson for number four straight up, and that would give the Heat the fourth and the 13th pick in the draft. Because if I'm the Heat, I would not offer Richardson in 13 at all. That's that's absolutely not an option. Uh, I know people probably will think I'm crazy, but I don't know that any of the top, I mean, aside from Zion, I don't know that any of the top five players in this draft are going to pan out to be better players than Josh Richardson. And I know, look, I mean, maybe that's my overall issue with the draft is that I just, I can't see, I don't have the creativity or the imagination to look at Jared Culver or, yeah. you know, Darius Garland and say, man, that guy is going to be an NBA all-star at some point. I, I, I just don't see it. Like, we're talking about 19-year-old kids that shoot badly, that have problems with their fundamentals, that have never played against top-tier competition and, and are going to take... They're going to take, even Zion Williams is going to take two or three years to play at an incredibly high level. Nobody comes into the league anymore as a rookie and has an immediate impact. I might, I might disagree with you on Zion, um, but... I, oh, well, you've disagreed with me on Zion for months. Yeah, now. I think he's going to be really good. At you least would trade the whole roster for Zion. I would. Williams. I would trade the whole roster for Zion, except for Dion. This um, reminds me of that, that draft take trade for Ricky Williams by Mike Ditka like a century mm-hmm. ago or whatever, where he traded like 20 draft yeah. picks for... Ricky Williams. That didn't those, turn out well either. So. Who those picks turn out to? Um, oh, that's. I guess that's what you're make, you're making that argument against me. Uh, I would not make that. I would not trade Josh Richardson for number four because I think there's a pretty clear top three in this draft. I would trade Josh Richardson if it meant that I could get John Morant or R.J. Barrett. I would, and it's not because I think those two guys are definitely going to be better than Richardson. I just think, you know, given where my and we've talked about this, given where Miami is, given that I think. I don't think Josh Richardson is going to get a whole lot better than where he is right now. Um, I just think it's a way. It, it would be it would be risky, which is weird to say, but it would be risky, absolutely, because you're trading away a borderline all-star type player in Richardson. But you, the potential for getting your star is at least there. And I think that R.J. Barrett, John Morant, Z- and you know Zion's not really on the table, so... If one of those guys were to drop to four, I think that would be on the table. And John Morant's going number two to Memphis, so I don't even know why I included him. But R.J. Barrett, if for whatever reason the Knicks pass on him at three. They won't. And they won't. So, yeah, Culver, no thanks. Not I, I just, I liked him. Actually, I didn't like him. And then I watched him in the tournament, and then I liked him. And then I watched right. him in the in the championship game, and then I didn't like him anymore. Um, so, not enough. That sounds really wishy-washy on me, so not enough to make the okay. deal. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that, look, I, I think... Yeah. You're looking at an imperfect, you know, uh, product, and you know you're not sure how to evaluate them because again, you're, you're stacking them up against inferior competition, not just at the NBA, but and, and for the most part, as a collegiate level, and, yeah. and and so it's hard to kind of gauge. They have bad games because they're 19 freaking years old. It's not easy to play at an extra, incredibly high level all the time, and so I mean, there it's hard to gauge. How they're going to pick yeah, so you so keep you keep Josh, you hold your nose, try your best because I don't think that there's going to be a big difference between four and thirteen. I don't either. And so you just either. you just hold your nose and take the best player available. Um, and we'll talk about best case and worst case scenarios uh, that could happen for the draft later on in the week. But um, we're gonna have a whole bunch of draft content going. But I wanted to close I, I out think, the show. Oh, go ahead. Okay. No, no. I'm just the thing is about whether or not you make the move for Richardson or not, and. and you know, obviously, from New Orleans' perspective, I think they'd love to have Richardson there with the fourth pick. To be honest with you, I mean, and 
of the thirteenth pick. I think it would take. I it think would. I think it would, it would take, take Richardson and yeah. the thirteenth pick yeah. in order to move it. But, they would not do it straight up. Um, at the same time, though, I, I think from Miami's perspective, I, you know, and I know that this has been an argument for a lot of Heat fans and most of our listeners is that at least it would give Miami some kind of direction. It's yes, like you're blowing this up. You're you're changing the idea that mediocre mediocrity is enough, and and I think that's like I mean, it's been a hard week for me. Um, because, you know, we got those odds from Vegas that show Miami is, well, pretty much one of the worst teams in the league. At least that's how they're projecting it. Uh, no Dwayne Wade, no clear image, no clear projection as far as uh, what this team is going to be. A lot of good and only good well, players. The odds the played. odds reflected their odds of winning the championship next year, right? Is that what you're talking sure. about? Yeah, yeah. But, okay. but you're stacking them up against... Like really bad teams like Atlanta, I think had better odds, and that's yeah. just because of Trey Young. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, because the whole idea is that one of these guys pops, and they become so much better than what we think they are right now, right? And the um, Heat don't have anything like that. I actually, yeah. I think that the Heat's odds for winning the championship next year is basically zero percent. There's just no way they win the championship yeah. next year. I mean, look, well, okay. I, I mean, I guess that's fair. Unless every I mean, player in the rest of the league gets injured. There's no, okay. Did, would you have given Toronto three seasons ago a chance of, of winning the championship had LeBron gotten well, hurt? Wait, are these odds for within the next three years, or are they for this year? No, no. Toronto, three years ago, okay. the, the 2016 season, yeah. or 17 season, whatever. Would you have given them a chance of winning the championship if LeBron hadn't been in their way? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, but is, how far off is Miami from that Very. Toronto team a couple of years? You think so? Yeah. DeMar DeRozan's that big a factor? And Lowry. Lowry, you could say, was having his best years of his career three years ago. And the playoffs. I mean not in the playoffs, sure. no, but in the regular season, absolutely. I mean I would that Toronto team was better than than this you team. Want to I mean he's a stud. <laughs> I uh, don't know. I just don't know that Miami's all that bad either. Like No, but they have they're, they're they not have great, no but... chance at making the, the they're they have no chance at making the finals. None. I don't see the it like what's the here. map? Like how do you get there? What if Richardson's a thirty point per game scorer? Then I'll eat the jeans that I'm wearing right now. I don't. Like, no, no, I won't ask you to do that. That's that's. To Calvin I mean, Klein. first of all, that's bad radio. Like we, well, nobody would hear this. No. Nobody would be able to see. Be a lot it, of so just be a lot of eating noises, which I hate. Um, <laughs> let's talk really quick about the NBA Finals takeaways because I know you had you had something that you want to talk about with the from the finals. Are we gonna take a break first, or are we? No, no, no. We'll go right into it, and then we'll yeah. Well, I think it just shows that. The move was kind of wide. Nah, I'm not sure if it was widely panned, but it was. There was a fair level of skepticism in last offseason when Masai Ujiri made the trade to acquire him. Like not only because you were trading away your franchise cornerstone and DeRozan, et cetera, but nobody knew what what Leonard was going to be after his on mostly off year in San Antonio. The fact that he was a free agent. And I think you're kind of starting to see now between the way Paul George chose to resign in, in Oklahoma City, the the way that hell Kawhi led this team to a championship in his one season in Toronto, and we both t- tend to think that he's probably leaving the Raptors. Yeah, I don't know anymore. That yeah, I heard I, some I, stuff. I I I would have said I just I I was hearing some stuff when I was in that that last game. I'm not reporting anything. I'm just saying like. There is a much better chance than there was even before the finals started that Kawhi stays in Toronto. I'm just saying. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not, again, I'm not predicting anything. I just... Sounds like you are. I think you're going on the record. I'm going on the record as not predicting anything. Um, But 
Um, but to your point, if even if Kawhi leaves, it was worth it. And so you Absolutely. have that scenario, and then you have the Paul George scenario, where obviously they weren't going to win, a, they haven't won a championship yet, but it, he resigned. So there's that version of it also working out. So there's two ways where it can work out. So yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's worth it. Like you you might have to trade away a cornerstone piece or whatever, but if it's an upgrade for a player and I think it was pretty clear that shedding away a bunch of assets for Paul George was an upgrade at a position, a major upgrade. Trading DeRozan as much as it meant to that franchise was still a major upgrade if you got Kawhi. And by the way, I don't think anybody thought Kawhi was going to suck when he came back. There was like you said, there was concern about, okay, what's he exactly going to look like? But nobody thought he was going to be worse than DeMar DeRozan. You know what I mean? So I just, it, yeah, continue. Well, I, I think, and also in, in terms of the heat, I mean, did they make a, a poor decision in not going all in for Jimmy Butler? Even if it mm-hmm. would have cost him, you know, perhaps Richardson or $5 million in cash or whatever the issues were. Like, I mean, I understand that a lot of what broke down between Miami's front office and Minnesota was Minnesota's front office being kind of a mess. But at the same time, like if, if they haven't done deals in the past because they didn't want to include any of these players, I mean, the, the decision to move DeRozan had some major repercussions. I mean, Toronto defined themselves by DeRozan's success yeah. and he was a, a great player in the clubhouse, obviously a great friend to Kyle Lowry. And- yeah, you isolated Kyle Lowry. Lowry did not talk to Masai until February of this year. After that trade happened, and, I mean that's yeah. insane. And, and, and so you know, there are, you have to make uncomfortable decisions, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes they pay off. And in this case, they they certainly did. And, so and, I, and I think didn't we shows... used to think that Pat Riley was the guy who made the uncomfortable decisions? That he was the guy. Oh yeah, he was cold hearted, cold hearted. And it just sort of feels like over the last few years, he's softened up, and he's just like, oh, you know, James Johnson. I love how you lost all that weight. Here's four. Four years, sixteen million Four per years. season. Like we believe in you. Yeah, James. it's just like no. You're, you're Screw them. Like, like hey, we got you back into shape. You're gonna take three million dollars a year, and if you don't, what happened to the guy that made Go. Tim Hardaway? Yes, make like like fat percentage minimums. You know, <laughs> Tim Hardaway had came like he was an all star in Miami, and he had to come into camp every year and make sure he had less than nine percent body fat or something right. like that. Which like, would be I mean, heavy it was just ridiculous. Huh? That would be heavy these days, by the way. We were looking at, yeah. you know, we're going through the draft stuff, like 8.5% body fat. Man, this dude needs to lose some weight. And it's like, well, I well, should what be What about talking. Larry? Larry's on the... Larry's, yeah, Chubby Larry. Yeah. Well, I don't know about he, Chubby, but he's Well, he needs the weight the... to set good screens. So you, you, they use him as a screen setter in pick and rolls. That's the that's the ideal situation. That's what Deion Waiters should be proposing. Be like, hey, guys, you see how much <laughs> they use Lowry as a screen setter? I could do that. And they'd be like, no, we see what you're trying to pull, Deion. <laughs> no chance. He's like, I'll, no, I'll bulk up. I'll bulk up over the summer. As he walks in there with like a a bag of tacos from Taco Bell or something like that. Um, That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat or email us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. We're going to try to get a NBA draft-related mailbag in uh, before the draft Thursday night. So send in your draft-related questions. Again, hashtag AskLOHeat on Twitter. Email us LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. That's it for today. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes. Wrap it up, dude.